Hi everyone, I am super excited to be here with the other three co-founders of the How to College podcast for first-generation college students. Just to lay the foundation, we're just going to do a little bit of an introduction to who we are, why we decided to start this podcast, and our goal here is that you, our listeners on the other side, get to know us a little bit more in our thought process with this podcast. So let's get started. So to start us off, I will just tell you a little bit of who I am. My name is Norma Torres Mendoza. I was born in Mexico and my mom and I came to the U.S. when I was eight years old and I grew up undocumented, even though I didn't really realize that I was undocumented until I was in the fourth grade when a teacher asked me to write an essay about my family lineage. So basically, as a fourth grader, I wrote Mom and I crossed the Mexico-U.S. border in the back of an 18-wheeler. And that is sort of how I learned about my immigration status. So I would say that something that has defined my identity from a very young age is this discipline of getting things done. So if I think back from a very, very young age, I always had an aunt that raised me who every day when I came to her house after school in Mexico, she would set me down and ask me about my homework. And so this sort of instilled the discipline on why I needed to get things done and sort of like get them done quickly. And I think that has shaped a little bit of who I am. So this sort of brings me to the bigger picture, which is like, I'm somebody who probably my friends would find me as a type A personality, love to get check marks. And that essentially has shaped a little bit of my trajectory in my career. I'll just stop there, Midgen. And I would love to just hear a little bit about you and what brought you with us today. Thank you, Norma. Hi, everybody. I'm Mijin Han, and I'm one of the co-hosts and co-founders of How to College First Gen Podcast. For me, on top of also being a first gen college student here in the United States, I am also an international student. So I made a decision when I was in high school. Actually, I think it was even younger, maybe when I was 12 or so, that I might want to go to a school in another country and really broaden my horizons and figure things out for myself. And I think the idea was great when I was that little, but the reality of actually moving to a new country where I have no family, no friends, somewhere that I've never been to at 18 and deciding that I'm going to live here for the next four years and attend school was a little bit more challenging than I expected it to be. And also considering the fact that both my parents they themselves were first-generation college students back home, and neither of them really speak that great of um, English. So for me, I really had to navigate the whole applying to college, to paperwork, like doing taxes, immigration paperwork, to getting my own insurance all by myself. And in hindsight, I realized that for someone at that age who is still a teenager, still figuring out who she is, I think it was quite a lot. But I think through that journey, I was able to really find a good support system here and really learn that I am stronger than I think I am and that I am capable of things that may look daunting at first sight. So sometimes to some of my friends, I may sound a little bit idealistic, a little bit too big picture thinking, but I think those are the things that have helped me come through all of my past experiences so far. Would you like to introduce yourself next, Joseph? Hi, everybody. My name is Joseph. I'll tell you a little bit about me, and hopefully that gives you a better idea of who I am and kind of what I care about. But I am the first in my family to go to college. I am the oldest of three. I am a native Houstonian. 
And I am also a Rice grad along with everybody else here. I graduated in 2015, majored in economics and psychology, was very interested in both of those things, but I still to this day have very much a passion and interest in psychology. I decided that I wanted to go the business route because I thought that was something that was really cool and something to explore. I did the corporate route for a little bit and then ended up wanting to take a career break and ended up working for a family business here in Houston for about a year and did some studying on the side and and currently working at a software startup in Houston. And in my spare time, I'm very big on holistic health. I enjoy cooking, exploring food scenes and different mom and pop shops. I'm into working out as well. I've recently been into weightlifting, doing some body weight exercises now with quarantine. I enjoy hanging out with my family's pets Fun fact about me is I think at any given time in the past 27 years of my life, my family has probably had over 10 pets at any given time. But this is also between my family, my aunt and my grandma's family. So we each have a good amount of pets. That's pretty intense. I have a lot of pets too, so I can relate. But I actually did not know that about you, Luz. Can you tell us a little bit about that? This has sort of happened more by accident than on purpose, but my house, we've always had a lot of cats and dogs. Currently, we also have chickens. So it definitely is quite the mix and definitely very chaotic. The reason why we ended up having so many is because my sister, anytime she finds a cat or dog, she fosters it, quote unquote. Still working on finding them a home. Yeah, we're still quote unquote fostering them. And then with the chickens, so my dad was doing some construction work because he's a construction worker. And sometimes he'll do these off projects, contract work. And so this person that he did this contract work paid him in little chicks. And I think it was like six chicks. And he brought them home. He grew up on a ranch. And so having animals is very natural to him. And so we you know had these chickens. They lay eggs. So we keep them for the eggs. And that's why we have a bunch of chickens now. Luz, that's so awesome. I did not know that. That was kind of my experience growing up too. We live outside of Houston. We have about an acre and a half of land. And I remember whenever I was a kid in the backyard, we had cows and horses and we had chickens. And I remember one traumatic experience where I was playing with the chickens and I had a little squirt water gun and then I ended up getting chased around the yard. And I think that's a classic northern Mexican living in the US kind of story. And that's part of who I am. And that's part of my origin. And it's very different from necessarily like who I am right now, right? I think it's so cool that Lucy's dad got some chickens from this one time that he was doing contract work. So I did not know that about you and your family, Luz. Can you just go ahead and actually do your intro now? I'm Luz. I'm one of five kids. I'm the second oldest. My dad's from Mexico, where he grew up in a ranch. And actually, my mom is she's from El Salvador, and she also grew up in a ranch, but she doesn't really care that much about farm animals. It's mostly my dad. So because he's always talking about either going to Mexico, or if he can't go to Mexico, then you know, having his farm animals close by. So I went to Rice as well, got a degree in chemical engineering. I always cared more about math and science. I like logical things and math and science just made more sense. So I always kind of gravitated towards that. And when I got to Rice, I wanted to be an engineer. And I only decided on chemical engineering because in high school, I really liked chemistry. 
but I actually didn't know what chemical engineering was. And then uh, later on, I found out that chemistry and chemical engineering are completely different. But at that point, like it was too late to switch and it just like didn't make any sense to do so. So I, you know, I stuck with the chemical engineering and it was fine. And I was scared about you know, doing something for the environment. The one thing I guess I didn't really like about chemical engineering at Rice specifically was the focus on oil and gas. So I wanted to do something more environmentally friendly. So I went on to an environmental consulting company where I'm an environmental engineer. And I get to work outside, which I really like because you know, I hate working in an office for too long. So I like having that escape of going out to the field, working with my hands, being out in the fresh open air. So that's pretty cool, actually. I did not know some of those things. And I think that in some ways explains something about you, right? Like your dad being still very close to his heritage or his ranch lifestyle. Do you actually feel closer to the Mexican side of your heritage than the Salvadorian side? Since I grew up with both, it's kind of hard for me to split like what is Mexican and what is Salvadorian. I mean, I think my Spanish is definitely way more Mexican. I don't have that Salvadorian accent. And I think that's because when my mom came over, all of her friends were Mexican because she just happened to be um, surrounded by more Mexican. So she lost her Salvadorian accent. So that's why we all speak more Mexican. But I couldn't really tell you. I mean, I've definitely been to Mexico a lot more times to like when my dad grew up and maybe have more connections in that regard. But I don't really see myself as more Mexican and Salvadorian. No, that makes sense. I think it's just interesting because the fact that your family is very in touch with their roots in Mexico says a lot because I don't think my family is very in touch with their roots on either side. So I'm actually Mexican and Uruguayan. And I didn't even know that until high school, actually. I think my family was going on a vacation and they were going to Uruguay. And I was like, why are you guys going to Uruguay? There's way more tropical places close by. You can just go to Mexico. They're like, we're visiting family. And I was like, who is in Uruguay? And it turns out my grandma is from there. So I didn't even know. In a lot of ways growing up, I just thought of myself as Mexican. That was the area around me. Uruguay has a really small population. And so that's actually affected my identity as I kind of grew up over time. And I'm still discovering more things about that side of my family. Yeah, that's really cool. I think for me, it's a little bit different because my mom and dad came from Mexico and El Salvador. So I definitely am not as far removed as you are, it sounds like. No, that makes sense. And I also didn't know that your whole chemical engineering story, I guess, for some reason, I always knew you as a chemical engineer. It might have just been because you were a couple years ahead of me. But I think it's really interesting that you didn't know what chemical engineering was, but just kind of thought chemistry, I like chemistry, let me go ahead and check out this engineering. I like engineering, let me fuse the two. And then I think that's a lot of people's stories in that industry. And it's funny that it ended up working out for you. I feel like it's really interesting because to an extent, I hear a lot of immigrant narrative here on top of us all being first generation students. And I feel like definitely there is some level of, I wouldn't say overlap, but sometimes those stories are very much happening at the same time for I think a lot of first generation students one way or another. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think that they're kind of tied in a lot of ways. And I think that's what makes this podcast in a lot of ways special, but also confusing. Like I'll get people whenever I say we're starting a podcast for first gens, they'll ask, oh, okay, from what country? And I'm like, oh, sorry. No, I meant like first generation college students as in the first in their families to go to college and them in their heads kind of grouping like the two. In a lot of ways, they do overlap because a lot of immigrants are going to be the first in their families and the next generation are also going to be the first in their families. I think this is really interesting because even Luz talking about her not knowing what chemical engineering is and then majoring in chemical engineering to an extent like makes me wonder if students who are not first generation have more awareness of different majors or different occupations than first generation students. But to go back to the main question, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this podcast? 
For me, to an extent, just like what I just said about maybe there are some information or resources that first-generation college students just don't have access to because some of the other students, they may be getting it through school because they're in certain school districts or they may be getting it through their parents or their relatives because all of them have went to college. And I think for me, it's very important that we remove all these external hurdles or factors that may not be within the control of the particular individual going through their higher education journey because to me democratizing these information is one of the most effective way to level the playing field for me i think the reason why a podcast like this is so important is because so i didn't mention this earlier but in my family education wasn't a priority you know nobody ever really talked about it the information was never out there nobody ever pressured any of us to think about it so just having just a little bit of information makes you reevaluate where you're going and what your options can be. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that having that information is powerful, especially if you're around people that don't have that information or even in ways like people who don't value it. I actually have a slightly different story in that, well, I mean, neither of my parents went to college, but I think that they always pushed academics on me. But at the same time, I was just a curious kid. I enjoyed academics. And that was kind of what made me stand out from different people around me. And that's what I thought was actually weird. I was just like, why aren't other people interested in school? Am I the only one that's actually enjoying this? But to answer the question, why are you doing this? I'm doing this because I care. And because I knew that I was really lucky to have those resources. And I know that whenever I was growing up, I know a lot of people who were around me who didn't and still don't. And I grew up in a low socioeconomic area and I saw a lot of people who were definitely smarter than me. I was definitely not the smartest kid in my high school, but I graduated salutatorian. And for some reason or another, I know that those other people who were smarter than me didn't make it to or through college. And that was just crazy to me. So I want to do something about that. And the other reason that I'm doing this is because I struggled a lot. Even though I had some of those support systems that other people didn't, I still struggled. And I know that I struggled pretty much every step of the way now that I think about it. And whenever I was done, I felt like I had that knowledge and I really valued that. And I would have really valued that at earlier points in the time. And I think that in the past, all of us here have done projects where we volunteered and we've been able to help other people either one-on-one or in large groups. But for the most part, that really only happened at those events and they were kind of points in time. But I really wanted to have something that was going to be able to reach more people. And I think this was a really good way to do it. And kind of finding some way to share that knowledge in a way that could help people that we wouldn't even meet at any point, really. I really agree with the point of providing help even for the people that we really don't meet because I think when I was going through college as a first generation and especially an international student, I think something that I really needed was a sense of community because I don't have any family here even till this day. And when I first moved here, I didn't have any friends here as well. So I think it might be really nice if we could even for a handful of people make them feel like they're a part of this team, a part of this family, and we're all going through this together. One other thing I really like in particular about this podcast is that we're looking at these three different stages because when I was in high school, I got lucky. I had a really good counselor that helped me get to college. But then afterwards, it was like, now what do I do? Who's going to help me now? And so I like that in our episode, we're getting those voices from people that are currently in college and people who have graduated who maybe have faced a similar situation, but they've started figuring that out. I mean, I've graduated from college, but I feel like I'm still figuring out what I'm doing with my life. So I think that's very valuable. Norma, do you have anything you'd like to add? 
Sure. So there's a couple of reasons why I think this podcast is really important. And most of them, I think you all have done a really good job hitting on. On a personal note, for me, because I have been in the education circle now for the past 10 years, working in various nonprofits and various education districts, what I found out is that oftentimes we have many great initiatives happening at the local level, but it's oftentimes very hard to scale those initiatives. And so what the podcast does, in my opinion, is it gives you access to information regardless of where you are and regardless of who you are. So for example, your parents don't have to enroll you in a charter school to be able to have like a to and through college curriculum. Your parents don't have to And hopefully they are being big advocates. But as we know, a lot of parents are working multiple jobs and a lot of times it's up to the students. So for me, what this podcast does is it grants access. And in many ways, I think education, especially in this country, to me appears to be closed door with the lock that you can only open this lock if you happen to know someone or something. And oftentimes that creates a lot of barriers for a lot of students. And so as long as you have a phone that you can listen to us and I feel like we're able to scale work in a way that in many initiatives I have not been able to do so in the past. And so if you just look back at the work that I've done with beginning with Young Owls, then going through with Cafe College and then going to idea public schools, I'm always thinking about great, great work, great work. How do we expand it? And how do we bring more voices to the table? And I think that's exactly what this podcast does. But I don't know if anybody else feels this macro effect. I feel like I really don't have much experience in the education industry overall. So I don't really know too much about at the local level, what kind of efforts are being made. So I feel like that's something that you definitely bring to the table that maybe some of us may not know. Yeah, I agree. I'm hoping that there is a greater macro effect in terms of people mobilizing a little bit more and creating more resources and doing the whole lifting as you go. But I think that you have a very unique perspective on this. The next question is, what do you care about? And how can I relate to you, your story, how you think? Sure, I'll go for it. I'll just talk in general about my values. So I care about my family, my friends, two, my health, three, making sure that I'm learning at any given point in time. So that can be about the world, about myself, about life and how that works. Oftentimes, I find that especially as first gens who are striving to go to college and get through college and then afterwards succeed in greater working world, it is really easy to be enveloped in all of that and really have that be all of your world. And in a lot of ways, it does shut you off or personally shut me off from figuring out how to live life. And so I want to make sure that I am also prioritizing that. That also relates to kind of my fourth value in terms of making sure that I'm finding something that works for me at any given point. And so for me, that's really finding balance and actually trying to be happy with whatever I do and making progress with anything that I'm working on. And then fifth one is making sure that I'm helping others along the way. And I think that this is a big part of that. I think I can relate a lot, especially on the point about making a better experience for other people, caring about others' point. I feel like I really knowing have done similar things in the past. I tried to start a liaison position for international students when I was an undergrad at Rice because there really wasn't a representation or a voice for international students. Or even when I was working as an auditor, I really tried to put a lot of time in helping onboard new team members, helping sure that the interns have a good experience. Not necessarily because I wanted them to, oh yeah, come work for us. I mean, I wanted them to do that too, but more so because I just wanted to make sure that whoever comes after me has a more positive 
sort of experience than I have had when I was going through the experience because some parts of the experiences that I had to go through wasn't the easiest, <laughs> to say the least. Totally agree. And I think it's playing into that whole theme of lifting as you go. What I care about specifically with this podcast is being able to serve as an example that other fellow firstians have been able to go through this process as mysterious and complex as it is and get to a place where quote unquote successful or whatever that means. And just being that example for somebody else to at least give them that initial role model to be like, okay, yeah, this is giving me some sort of motivation for me to at least attempt this. Because I think when I was growing up, I didn't have a whole lot of role models that I could look up to. Like people that were like me, that I could be like, well, if they can do it, so can I. And I think this podcast featuring First Gens kind of gives that because in some of my work that I've done with community outreach at Rise and Beyond Rise, I think that's what ends up being most impactful when I talk to students, just being able to see somebody be in those roles. Like, if you can do it, so can I. Like, it's not so out of the question. And it's not something that you are shooting for the stars. It's definitely something attainable and something achievable for all of us. So, Luz, I think you bring an interesting point because when I first learned about Rice University, it was because Laura Villafranca, who used to read for Rice, and she pulled up with four other Latinos to Lamar High School. And so in my brain, going back to what you're saying, Luz, if I saw other people that looked like me with similar backgrounds, what that told me is that Rice University was not a crazy idea in a way that maybe some other Ivy League schools that pulled in through the school did not have the representation. And so obviously it matters. But honestly, we have the conversation. And, and this is something I struggle with in this podcast. The conversation of is college for everyone? It's something I don't know how to answer, right? Because for me, what education meant was getting out of poverty. It was the only way I knew how to do it. I didn't know anything else. I didn't know any other way out of it. A college degree meant a stable job and a stable job meant financial stability. That being said, and I hope we're able to raise this conversation in this podcast, in my line of work, I saw a lot of students that took on a lot of debt to be able to go to some of the schools. And I question it, right? I question if the students are worse off financially after they did the four years, did that make sense for them? And obviously this podcast is about first generation students doing it and quote unquote making it. But I think as first gens, we have to push the boundaries and we have to ask those questions of what does it even mean to make it, number one. And number two, is this the path for everyone? And the answer might not be yes, and we have to be okay with it. But if the answer is yes, for whom and then come the resource parts but it's just something that morally I struggle with quite a bit I think that totally makes sense but I think for me, what is important is giving people, first dance in particular, that option to think about it. Because for me, when I was growing up, that wasn't an option. That wasn't an obvious option. It didn't become an option until much later. Because I thought I was like, oh, you know, I'll go to high school, just get some whatever job. And, you know, that'll be fine because that's what everybody else in my family has been doing. And they seem to be doing okay. But just knowing that there's other options out there like college, I think that's what's valuable. Maybe not telling everybody, oh, you all have to go to college but this is a different option I don't know if you've thought about it but what the opportunities that come with it these are the pros the cons something to also think about 
as you evaluate where you want to take your life. I agree with both of you guys. I think this may be a little bit more personal for me, but where I come in South Korea, going to college is almost considered to a lot of the students as a duty or something that you have to do or else you won't survive because competition is very steep back home for various reasons. And also on the opposite end of the spectrum, also there are students in Korea who feel like they have to go to college who can't or there are students who really genuinely don't want to and don't need to maybe and are forced into the system. And I guess Norma, you said that it's college for everybody. I can't answer that, but I feel like as Luz mentioned, maybe what we can provide through this podcast is that agency of if I do choose to do so I have the resources I think that's exactly right and obviously I'm here because I believe in the work that we do but it's something that I think we should be conscious about as we go forward right and it's something that it is in my mind a lot because I agree 100 percent Number one should be opportunity. And because we live in a world where opportunity is not the same for everyone in this country, that is an issue we have to tackle. And that I think is what we're doing by providing resources via our website and having these conversations. And I think that that piece is critical. And so that piece is, is good. In addition to really being nuanced with some of these conversations that we bring to the table as well. What if there was, and there are many first gens out there who don't always have the happy ending. And I think those stories are just as valuable as we go forward. And maybe to tie it back to the question I'm trying to answer here is what do I care about? And and I don't know if y'all do this, but I reflect a lot on the things that I get involved with. And I reflect on the morality of the things that I do. So if at the end of the day, I can look at myself in the mirror and say, when all of it is done, not to get morbid, right? But when all of it is done here, if I can look at myself in the mirror and say, because I did X, Y, and Z, the world became a better place, then my life was worth living. And because I do question the morality of it, to me, that goes hand in hand, really thinking through in a nuanced way, what is this experience of first gens? And how do we have honest conversations? I agree with everything you guys have all said. And I think there's very little that I can even add on top of this that we haven't even talked about. But I will say that part of this is us really relating to broadly life, right? We're trying to figure things out as we go along. And these are the life events that we've had to figure out. And at the end of the day, I totally agree with you, Norma. And this is kind of what I was alluding to earlier. At every stage of life that I've gone through, whether it be high school, college, or getting my first job, at the end of the day, I'm wondering, is this worth it? Is this what I want to be doing? Is this the path for me? And those are all questions that are going to happen throughout this entire process and that we're going to talk about. And, you know, we're not always going to have the answers because these are things that no one really has the answer to. I mean, some of them we can just give resources to in terms of what has helped us and what has helped other people around us. But at the same time, we do want to hear different perspectives and we do want to know what you all in our audience are thinking and what you guys are curious about. I would love to have other fireside chats that are very similar to this, but that are entirely compromised of things that you, our audience, have sent to us. And I think that would be really awesome just to really understand what is going on inside your heads. What do you care about? And making sure that we are telling some of those stories that are really real, those honest conversations. And a part of that is really that engagement. At the end of the day, I think the question that a lot of us are still struggling with is, yes, obviously, we're extremely proud of the success we've had so far. No doubt about it. And we should celebrate it because it has been rough. And Mijin, you said it, right? It has not been an easy ride for any of us. And we definitely stand in the shoulders of so many people that made this possible. And then I think a really good question to ask is, were the sacrifices worth it? 
And what does it mean to have, quote unquote, made it, right? Because if we look back, for example, to episode one, where Nadine lands this big job in New York, and she's everything she thought she wanted to be, and that education would give her, like the salary. And then all of a sudden, she stops and she's like, wait a minute. Is this how I want to be spending the days of my life? And I hope that as all of our first gens listening to us are not just going through the motions because we were told that's what we needed to do. We were told either because the market is so competitive or because that's how you get out of poverty or whatever it is, the story we've been told that that's why we're doing it. That we stop and reflect and say, this makes sense for me. Why or why not? And am I honoring the sacrifices that people have made for me to be here? I mean, I don't know if anybody can relate to that. You bring up a really interesting point, and it's funny because I think about this, I used to think about this so much that it became very, very central to who I am, especially as I was going through the end of high school and writing those essays and really trying to understand the sacrifices that my family has made and really reflecting on those, but also just really trying to make sure that over time that I don't let those put me into a box personally. I want to make sure that I'm working hard with whatever I'm doing and that I am honoring the things that they have done to get me to the point where I've even started from. But at the same time, I used to think that that was me going to college, me doing well in college, me getting a good corporate job or me going to get like a PhD or a master's or something like that. But at the end of the day, I know that really what they want for me is to be happy, to have a good life, to not have to worry and struggle financially. And I think that you guys bring up a really good question in terms of is college for everybody? I don't think it is. I mean, I think that it can be for everybody, but I think that each person's college experience is unique. And I think that with everything in life, I find that it's a little bit of a gamble. It depends on what college you get into, what colleges you apply to, what you know about, and who your friends end up being, right? The same person can get into the same college, get into two different dorms, and have two completely different experiences. And I think that acknowledging that part of that is up to chance and up to life and whatever hand you're drawn is really good to acknowledge because I used to internalize all of these things. And later on, I realized that a lot of life is really not up to your control. And I think that what I would really like others to know is that you really just have to focus on what you can control. And if that is how hard you work, what you work on, and where you really try to steer your life, then I think that's what you should focus on. And I think that what we want to do as a part of this podcast is to let you guys know that potentially there are things that you don't know. I know that there are things that I don't know. And I knew there was a lot more that I didn't know about in high school. And so we want to give more people the option to broaden their horizons in a very easy way, which is this podcast. It's like reading through our website and really listening to different people who are maybe very similar to you or may not be, but just understanding where they come from, where they're going and how they took their paths. And I think that's very important. And I think that's a big reason of why I'm here. Next question is, what's your first gen story like? I was basically thinking about how I'm a first-generation college student here in the United States, but also both of my parents were first-generation students back home in South Korea. And a part of me wonders, like, are we just never progressing here? Like, are we just constantly taking the same steps? But also a part of me thinks that maybe that is the case. Like, maybe A, progress may just not look like one thing or another, and B, that everybody's first-generation stories may be different, but also there are some things that are very core 
core to them that ties all of our experiences together. So really participating in this podcast made me look back at my parents' experience and how both sets of my grandparents, they maybe went to elementary school, maybe middle school tops, and a lot of them were born during the colonization period. And they, growing up for my grandfathers, had to participate in the war as 14, 15-year-olds, as child soldiers, and how I am here now and how now I'm the first person in my family to go to school in the United States and the first person in my family to get a graduate degree, I think makes me realize that maybe this is the story that in a way is just perpetuating, but in a sense that's progressing at the same time. Mijin, that's crazy. I think that none of us knew that about you and your family. And I think that you definitely deserve a pat on the back because you have came a long way. And I think it goes back to what Norma said in terms of building off of the sacrifices that your family has made and really honoring those with how you strive forward. And I think that you've definitely done that. Yeah, I think that was kind of like my personal stab on my first gen story and how I see it through the lens of my family history. Really what I was trying to get at was as first gens and as ambitious people by nature of being first gens, we are the first in our families to do something. And to do that thing, that thing that we're doing is to go to college. And going to college is a hard thing for anybody. Going to college for a first gen is harder, right? Because there are more new things and less resources in terms of less people that you can pull on to go to for help unless you find some specific first gen resource. And so I think that we have a tendency to kind of be very hard on our ourselves. And I think that's kind of really learned and it's really hard to unlearn. And I think that that's something that a lot of first gens experience in general. Oh my gosh, yeah. Going to college, figuring out college, figuring out life in general is hard. I feel like as first gens, like even my job right now, I don't know what I'm doing a lot of the times, or I feel like I don't know what I'm doing in terms of not like my actual work tasks, but like how do you get ahead? How do you ask for promotion? How do you make sure that your employer is treating you right and things like that? And I've seen how other people who are not first gen seem to tackle those particular topics with ease. Just because I guess it's exposure, you know, they have people that have sort of guided them along the way. And it sort of goes back to you sort of don't know what you don't know until you're kind of in the middle of it. And so it's definitely a rocky journey for first gens, at least for me it was, still is. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think that the struggle doesn't end once you get into a college. The struggle doesn't end once you graduate from college. The struggle doesn't end once you get your first job. I think that as first gens, we're always doing something for the first time. And they're always going to be first. And I think it's just how you go about those struggles. And the easier or the earlier that you can find good resources and find good ways to go about that, it's just going to pay dividends over life. Luz, I feel like we've heard quite a bit of the questions you've had along your first gen journey from you, but how have you gotten to some of those answers? Because it's not like, yes, you do have a lot of questions, but you also have figured a lot of things out. So what did you do to figure those things? I feel like you're one of the most practical people that I've ever met. And so obviously, I'm not surprised that you have a lot of questions that are bubbling in your head. But how have you been able to get to some of those answers? You talked a little bit about your family and valuing education and you being one of the primary people that valued education and that being different. How did you figure out that you wanted to go to college and how did you figure out that you deserve to go to college? I would say somebody else figured it out for me and I just kind of stumbled into that. And the reason why I say that is because by the time I got to middle school, 
school, I want to say. I guess that's the first time people started mentioning college because it was like the time that people were talking about like, you know, what high school do you want to go to? Like, you don't have to go to your zone school. And I had this algebra teacher that like we were doing some sort of assignment or something where we had to do this little video of, I don't know what it was, but I gathered from everybody else, like all my classmates. So the answer that they were looking for is like, oh, because you want to go to college and you want to go to a good college. So because that was the answer they were looking for, I was like, okay, well, that's what I'll say. They didn't really know what that meant at the time. And I guess maybe when I finally did get to high school, I sort of started figuring it out. I mean, I went to a high school that was a lot more privileged. The counselors were really involved. Teachers were really involved. And they had all these resources. My counselor was constantly bugging us. Oh, make sure you check out these summer programs at these colleges. Or like, check out these scholarships. And make sure you are taking the tests that you got to take to go to college. And the expectation when I was in high school was that everybody would go to college. So they really pushed it there. And I guess that's where I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to college. Because that's what you're supposed to do. So you actually had an interesting story in terms of you were actually peer pressured to go to college. It wasn't necessarily that you actually felt like you merited it or that you deserved it, even if you did. And I think that's really interesting. And I think that says a lot because you definitely did. You're still one of the smartest people I know. When I was going through it, it didn't feel like it was peer pressure. And maybe that's how peer pressure works. Like you don't feel like you're being peer pressured. But just because I was surrounded by tons of people that already knew for sure that that's what they were going to do. It's like, okay, yeah, makes sense for me too. I like how they think. I will adopt their thinking sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's the positive peer pressure, I guess. I think that somebody else that we had interviewed actually talked about that as well in terms of they didn't think that they wanted to go to college, but they actually hung around some people and were in the same classes as some people who were thinking about going to college. But then they then figured out like, oh, you know, they're thinking about college. I should think about college too. Yeah, because when I got down to looking up what college was, what it meant, I was like, yeah, like that's the obvious next choice for me. But yeah, that was probably in between middle school and high school where I finally did realize, one, I could go to college, and two, it could open so many more opportunities that I never imagined. Yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense. So then what's the one thing that you want our listeners to know about you and your story? I think for me, one thing I would say to our audience would be that I'm not special. I'm sure I have a similar story to many in our audience. I faced a lot of the same struggles and continue to face struggles every step of the way. Just because I'm a co-host and help produce these episodes and this podcast by no means means that I have things figured out. I hope to learn as much as our audience from our guests and their stories. In terms of my answer, what do I want other people to know about my story? I want them to know that I struggled a lot and I still do. I think that's normal. And for me, it's more so about finding some peace with that and really picking your struggles along the way. I mean, a lot of these things and these challenges don't really end. So the sooner that you find a good system, the more it's going to pay off. So I think as first gens, a lot of our stories are different pieces of the puzzle that have come together. And they have come together to either bring us experiences that created a lot of fear and anxiety or experiences that brought us a lot of happiness. So for me, like my immigration story is obviously very tied to my education. Growing up undocumented, I feared every day of my life that I would be deported. And obviously, this created a lot of anxiety, but it also has pushed me to be who I am today. 
day. I never went to bed before knowing that I could get an A in that exam. Now, I'm not advocating for sleep deprivation here. People sleep. Sleep is good for you. But what I am saying is that a lot of that fear drove my actions to always excel at doing things. Because in my brain, I thought about my education as a shield against deportation, against people not wanting me to be here in this country. And so the one thing that I think I would want people to know, I think first gens need to dig in to find that motivation because things will get rough, as Luz and Joseph just mentioned. So the thing that I would say is that each one of us has a different reason of why we do the things we do. Like I said, for me, it began with anxiety and fear. It has obviously turned into something completely different now that I don't fear deportation every day of my life. And so as first gens, there has to be something inside of us that pushes us and allows us to keep on going forward because the journey is not easy at all. But we can make it. And and obviously, we have here graduated from college. And many of us here have gone on to get advanced degrees. But it's not easy. And the takeaway for me has always been find the reason why you do what you do. To answer that question, I would say why I do anything, I do it for my family because having like a job, having a degree has opened so many opportunities that they never had. And yeah, just being able to give back to them and just being able to pay their bills or help them go on vacation or, you know, just those little things that other people seem to take for granted. Yeah, and that's rough. Maybe this is something our Persians go through, but like many of us growing up, we didn't know where the next plate of food would come from. And for a lot of us, it was that economic stability that I mentioned before. And there's so much power in being able to look at my mom and saying, I got this. We don't have to be afraid that we can't pay X, Y, and Z things anymore. And you're right, Luz, for a lot of us, that is part of the reason why. I guess for me, it also goes back to my family, but in a slightly different angle. So growing up, my dad was a self-made man and he was very conscious about having enough for us because his father passed away when he was a senior in high school. And from then on, he had to take care of his mother and his younger brother, his older sister. And he became a very anxiety-driven person for the rest of his life. And for me personally, it was detrimental for my mental health. So it was a matter of survival. I needed to physically remove myself. And for me, so a lot of the things I do, honestly, is because of survival to be able to be safe. And I know that there are people who use education as a way to protect themselves one way or another from different things. But that is, I guess, at the core of what I do a lot of the things I do. How about you, Joseph? Do you feel like a sense of security also played into the reasons of why you decided to go through all this struggle? So I think those are two different things, actually. So I think the reason that I went to college is different than the reason I get up out of bed every morning today, right? I think that they are related, but I think for me that they are different. I think that whenever I was in high school and going to college, I had all of the above in in my mind. I guess I'm close with my family and I know that I know the struggles that my grandparents have gone through and I know the struggles that my family has had over time. And I wanted to be the first in my family to go to college because I thought that was the answer. And that's what drove me to go to college. But I think that now as I think about what drives me beyond college, it's different. I think it's just trying to be the best self that I can be and trying to make sure that I play to my values. So making sure that I can take care of my family and my friends and that I can help them. And it doesn't need to be financially anymore. I think that my family thankfully has gotten to a good place where they can take care of themselves financially. But at the same time, I know that that's still a big factor for me. I want to make sure that I don't need to depend on some company for my salary. I don't want to depend on 
my grandfather working beyond retirement. I still have that driver because I want to make sure that they can retire whenever they want to. But at the same time, I know that the nature of them being how hardworking they are, it's going to conflict with that. But for now, what drives me is trying to be my best self and also trying to make sure that I can take care of my family. In this episode, you had a chance to hear from the co-founders, Luz, Norma, Joseph, and I. Some of the topics were more lighthearted, like the story about Luz's check-ins, but we also delved into some heavier topics like our immigrant identity, if college is for everyone, and the sacrifices our families have made for us to be where we are today. I hope you enjoyed this special episode and got a chance to get to know us, our version stories, while we started the podcast and our purposes a little bit better. As always, you can find us online at howtocollegeversion.org if you have any questions or feedback as we want to hear what you think, what you're struggling with, and how we can help. If you prefer to reach us on social media, you can find us at howtocollegeversgen on Instagram and Facebook and htcfirstgen on Twitter. Thank you for tuning in today on How to College for First Gens. Remember, you're not alone in this journey, and we'll talk to you next time. <music>